Well, praise the Lord. Come on, give Jesus one more big hand tonight. Worthy of our praise. And give your neighbor a high five and you may be seated. Well, we're in for a real treat tonight. My dear friend, uh, Jay Threadgill, is with us. Jay, I think 26 years ago, took a suitcase and $300, his wife and child, and left for the nation of Haiti, most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere, and uh, God has used his life to literally change a nation. And uh, not only is he just a missionary, but he's a guy that I look up to. He's a good friend of mine, but he's a guy that's going to challenge your faith to believe that God can do something great with my life if I'll just entrust myself to him. And I know a lot of you may not know him, and I've encouraged him to take a few minutes and talk about what God's doing in Haiti before he opens the Word of God. So give him a big hand, Brother J. Threadgill. Amen. It's so good to be here with you tonight and my good friend, Pastor John Miller, and looking forward to meeting, seeing Linnell tomorrow. And uh, you guys are so awesome. Before I get too far into this thing, Linda sends her greetings and love for those of you who know her. Uh, she had to kind of balance coming in, jumping in, and jumping out to also my youngest son is getting ready to have his personal firstborn. He married into some grandbabies for us, but his personal firstborn. And so she's going to be my grandma extreme, most definitely, and is waiting to spend about two weeks with them uh, just before the baby comes and on into afterwards, praise God. She's, a, she's one of those grandmas. You know how it goes, grandmas. And uh, she's pretty awesome, praise the Lord. And, but she does send her love. She says, tell everybody I love them. And if you don't know her, next time she comes to hang out, you just got to get to know her, praise God. Amen. She's going to get a special medal. I was telling Pastor John today at lunch, I'm pretty sure I'll have to serve her coffee for all of eternity because she has followed me all these, all these years and allowed me to lead her into different places, praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we get going too far, I want to do give a little update. You know, some of you do. How many of you don't know me? There's a few of you out there. Okay. Well, 27 years ago, God spoke to me through the scriptures, as Pastor John alluded to, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. A very simple scripture that most of us know that have been around the Lord for a while. And it basically says, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. The unique part about that scripture was I was living in an old Florida home at the time that had no heat. In the old Florida homes, I'm talking about a home that was built 1900, 1910. And uh, so all you had was space heaters. And it was one of those rare times a freeze came through Florida. That was back with avocado green shag carpet. Remember that one? And harvest gold. They were like the colors of choice. And uh, you're, yeah, you're showing your age now, aren't we? And the, the shag carpet was so frozen, your feet would crunch on it as you were walking through the house. And, I ha and I've always gotten up extremely early. I'm really strange that way. Uh, and I don't try to follow my steps unless you want a real challenge. But I've been getting up about 4.30 in the morning for 30 years at least. And I do, that's when I do a lot of my prayer time, a lot of my study time. So I had a blanket over my head and, uh, because it was cold. had a space heater at my feet. And I'm reading that passage. And as soon as I finished it, one of the two times in my 30 years of ministry, I heard the audible voice of God. It was so loud that I threw the blanket off and turned to see who had walked in to see me, but it was no one there. And I'm not the sharpest tack in the box, but I figured out this is God because they quoted, he quoted that exact scripture to me. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send who will go for us? And at that moment, I mean, my, my heart is in my throat. And I said, Lord, here am I, send me. And it wasn't but a year later 
we found ourselves in the nation of Haiti, praise God. We had no money, as John alluded to. We had no real support. We really did just go with suitcases and a cooler. The first six months, we lived out of a cooler and cooked off of a Coleman stove for all you campers that can remember those days. And uh, um, finally, a pastor flew down to see us, and we were sitting on our travel trunks and bought us some furniture for our house. And, but we had nothing but a word from God. And God basically spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go and take a nation. Now, you're talking about a guy that doesn't have 20 bucks to rub together in his pocket. And so you're thinking to yourself, now, how are you going to take a nation? But anyhow, I'd go down there and, and preach like I was Reinhardt Bonnke on the street corners and believe God for something to happen, and God started to make things happen. And so uh, no one actually told me that Haiti was the seat of Satan for the Caribbean. You didn't have Internet there. You couldn't Google search what was going on in Haiti in that time. Matter of fact, you didn't even have cell phones in those days. And uh, no one told me that the root, the, the root of voodoo and black magic was its, was its state religion. And uh, no one told me that it was consumed with, uh, with just racketeering and corruption and, and uh, all kind of illegal drug kind of use. And no one told me these things, but God had given me a word to go. You know, a lot of times when the young people today come out of Bible school, they want to know their package that they're going to get when they come on board. Do I have uh, insurance going to be paid for? And uh, what's my base salary? And do I get a uh, cell phone and, and those kind of things? The only, thing, only package that I had was go ye. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I developed a two-year plan. Haiti looked kind of small on the map. thought that surely we can cover that in a couple of years. And uh, well, God had a longer plan. But we went down there and started doing crusades and started, uh, started doing Bible seminars for leadership. And uh, one thing led to another. And really, basically, we're taking, we're taking the nation. Um, we're not the only ones down there doing a great work for God. But we really are touching that nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, our church, you know, was devastated in the earthquake. We've got it up and functioning. We're not finished yet. But we're close. We're about 70% off. But they were, we're using it. Praise God, and uh, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, we experienced really the most devastating event of my life. It was the fifth largest, fifth largest uh, natural disaster known to humanity for death toll. 300,000 people in one city died. 300,000 people died. 60,000 lost limbs. Uh, or, and, and so uh, it was, uh, it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around it. Even to this day, it's pretty hard for me to wrap my mind around it, and I experienced it. And uh, the carnage and the death toll was ex extreme. We lost 32 people in our church, thus the hair. And the uh, hair is a memorial to them. It's part of my Nazarite vow that I made to God, and it will get cut one day. But there are three basic points in, li in my life that will be accomplished before the hair gets cut. Number one, it had to get to a certain length so I could donate it for, for cancer uh, victims and or survivors, or whatever you want to call it, and uh, not that they might want to use my hair, it's kind of old, but it's, you get a nice plaque, and, it, and it's the heart of it all that you do it for, and uh, the next thing was that the building would be built, it's about 70% built, and I'm not going to tell you the third thing, because that's between me and God, and uh, when those th three criterias are, are met, hair will get cut, and so uh, that's why I grew the hair out of memorial of them, but the Haitians are very resilient people, they're, they're survivors, and uh, the ministry remains strong. We continue to advance the kingdom of God. 
out of all of that and different and losing a building and everything, the, the church remains very strong between six and 7,000 in attendance on a Sunday. Uh, we're on national television every week of our, li- our, our services being shot live and then aired. Uh, we have over, we, now we had gone further, but we have over 1,000 praying every morning at 6 a.m., over 1,000. It got up to about 2,000 when we were in our other building, but it was on more of a main thoroughfare. They've got to come find us to pray now. And, but about 1,000 people praying in the morning gets you pretty fired up. Uh, we've planted 35 churches. We've graduated over 2,000 graduates in our Bible schools. We've influenced over 1,000 ministries operating in the nation of Haiti. We're feeding and educating 3,000 children uh, uh, at a time and, and feeding them five days a week at 17 locations. Opened our clinic in our infirmary where we only really open it when we have medical teams come in. For all you medical people, it's time to come to Haiti, praise God, and uh, do some good things for people. Uh, last medical team I had in, I had actually one church I ministered at. They were so excited. It was a pretty good-sized church. They had so many people that wanted to come to Haiti. We had to do two teams back-to-back because we didn't have enough room in the house. And so we did, and it was all medical. So we did two straight weeks of clinic and, and, and mobile clinics. And uh, I think they saw over 1,500 people in two weeks, treated over 1,500 doctors and nurses on these teams and and uh i think three thousand and something prescriptions were written and a lot of medicine put out and uh so it's really cool because you get to minister to the people where they're in need um you have to understand uh medicine in haiti is uh is is strenuous at best uh the percentage of per capita population to a doctor is phenomenally large it's it's i don't remember the exact statistic but it's like 60,000 to one doctor, something weird like that. You know, it's just huge. And so uh, uh, medicine in Haiti is a, a very much needed thing. Um, but we're, we just keep going forward. And, my, of course, my wife's school is uh, booming at 300-plus um, students in her school, which is probably in the top three schools of the nation now. And uh, really cool. Our soccer team, uh, for all you sports enthusiasts, our soccer team just won their last game and we're seated number one in the tournament coming up next week. That's why I get to come see you and I got to fly back real fast so I can be in part of the tournament. And uh, we're called the Warriors, praise God. And uh, because I'm a good old Florida State graduate, we are garnet and gold. And we do, whoa. <laughs> and for all you Alabamians, here we come. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so we have four Bible schools that are accredited. Her school is accredited thanks to Dana and a lot of others that helped out so much. Very awesome thing. Um, I fought it for years, and Dana will tell you, and uh, I couldn't believe how much it really did do for us and uh, in, uh, in approval of humans to have that accreditation. We're accredited through ICAA, which is ORU's arm of accreditation, and we have a double accreditation now, which is we have the secular accreditation. To show you how important accreditation is, I read an article a number of years ago that 50% of your public schools are not accredited. That Public schools doesn't, you don't have to be accredited to be at the public school. 50% of public schools are not accredited. They're not holding a standard that's required by accreditation. And uh, so it's very difficult. It's a five-year process. It took them working and working and working and me complaining and complaining and complaining uh, the whole time, but dragging my feet the whole way. But God got his way. And, and so now that's really what put us up into the upper tier of schools there in the nation of Haiti. Uh, we have four accredited Bible schools. 
Last year we graduated 275 students at three different levels, 75 with a bachelor's degree in theology. Um, we do monthly water baptisms. That can be anywhere from 100 to 150 to 200 people at a time when we do water baptisms. The, the pool turns green when you're finished, praise God. But it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's not, you know, the, the baptisms are unbelievable. The, the building is 70% finished, which you guys sacrificed greatly for. And we're so blessed by your financial gifts that really have helped us put us over the top. And I got a little three-minute video on that that my good friend back there in the computer world is going to place that up there. It was done by an intern. It's not, uh, you know, CBS, TBN material, but it'll give you a little look. Stretch out of your stakes. Stand in faith. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. And mountains shake, let the dead awake. And His name is Yah, If God is for us, who 
Special thanks to Church on the Rock, Texarkana, praise God. You raised a ton of money, and we just blessed, 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 blessed. Somebody say blessed. Yeah, we're blessed, praise God. And so God is faithful, and it, it's uh, actually a little further than, on the outside than you can see there at the end. And really, phase two, the only thing left in phase two is the, is the uh, entryway and the doors, and that's, that's about it. And then we go into phase three, but I had to rest a little while. I really had to rest a little while. That was probably one of the biggest mountains I've ever climbed in 30 years of ministry. Was it, there was no building loan. It was all cash. And uh, we didn't have it all. And so when you got skin in the game and you're in the midst of building, there's no stopping. So you're keeping crews going, and you're believing God and scraping pennies from everywhere you can find it. Every place you can look, you're grabbing for a dollar here and a dollar here to keep it moving and to keep materials on the ground for those subs and those guys to keep working. And what's the unique thing is we pretty much had, had it ready for the, uh, for the uh, anniversary and that was about a four and a half month. And I looked at my contract and I said, how long does it take you to build this building in the States? He said, even in the States, it'd take me three months to build this building. And so for Haiti, that was pretty cool, praise God. And uh, so we were, we were blessed and uh, um, we're function- the building's functioning. Uh, actually, the doors not being on is not a, such a bad thing because we don't have, phase three is air conditioning, flooring, and uh, build outs. We still got to do the paneling around. You saw the white insulation everywhere which it looks okay. Eventually we'll panel it and uh, it'll look better, but it's not as necessary at this moment. So we got about 30 more percent to do. Eh, a mere quarter of a million. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, uh, and we'll do it little by little as God lets us do it. And uh, that's what we'll do. Praise God. You know, again, we just want to thank Texarkana and Church on the Rock here and Dr. Pastor John and you guys for being so generous to us. You really, really were. And I just can't say that enough. Uh, I'd put you in the top one, two, or three donating organizations. Here's a really good testimony. Here's a testimony you'll love. Then we're going to get to the word. We were holding at about 250000 and it was kind of slowing down. And you guys, had, we needed 350000 to release the steel and get it shipped. That wasn't even including the equipment you saw that we had to get shipped. So that was another, another 30000 on top of that. And uh, so, I mean, you know, of course, we're praying like crazy and waiting on God and believing God and still trying to fundraise. And 1,000 here, 5,000 there is coming in and 300,000 just for the building, 50,000 to ship the building. And so uh, I'm about 250 and holding somewhere in there, 225. And a guy calls me up. He had been on a team the year before, just a guy on the team. I mean, I got to know him a little bit and... and uh, he calls me up and says, I want to bring my wife to Haiti and show her around. You mind? And I said, no, come on down. And I only met him the one other time. And uh, on a team, you don't, like, get in their heads totally. And so he says, I want to come down and show my wife Haiti, and, and I'll bring a little something for the building. And I said, well, that's great. Praise God. Come on down. We'll love to have you, and we'll show you around, and we'll fellowship with you. And they came down for, like, four days. And so anyhow, after the fourth day, they're getting ready to leave, and we, we just kind of got to know them a little better. And. I mean, he is a train engineer. He's an engineer for trains. I mean, that's not what you would consider big money. He walks in and says, well, I got brought a little something for the bill. And I said, praise God, brother. Let's put it in my hand. Let's pray over it. I didn't look at it. Just prayed over it, and we prayed together. I met this man one time. One time. I looked down, and it was a $100,000 check. I looked at him. I said, how do you do that? 
He said, well, I'm an engineer, but I got a little land. It's got some oil wells on it. And about once a year, they give me my royalties. And God told me when I was here last time to give you the royalties for your building. Can you give God the glory? Praise God. <laughs> and so I think he classifies as number one in the giving category. And, of course, and, and unfortunately, he couldn't even come and make the uh, celebration because he was just tied up with some things. Uh, that shows you how God can move. We have an old saying in our, in our uh, that's another story. We have an old saying in our, in our uh, Bible school is if, God, if you have a need, God can touch a man in China, give him your name and tell him to get on an airplane and hand you a check. And during the quake, we were building the bathrooms to where that building is. We ran out of money. We didn't have any money left. Everything's going into repairs, maintenance, and budget. And uh, uh, I went to take a nap one day. The, had the, we had the slab in for the bathrooms. Everybody just peeing over in the bushes during church service. And that's how, this is Haiti, you know. And, <laughs> and so, and I don't know if you're allowed to say peeing, but they, they, were, they were peeing. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, you, you can say it in my church. I don't know about these churches, you know. <laughs> and so anyhow... Uh, I took a nap, and my guy, that, my right-hand guy that was taking care of things for me, a, a Korean showed up. He said, is there a Jay Threadgill here? He said, yeah, but he's taking a nap. I'll wake him if you need me to. He said, no, no. He said, but I come here because God sent me here, handed my right-hand man $10,000 cash, said I'm supposed to give this to him. He doesn't know me. He says, I just know I'm supposed to give it to him, and left, never saw him again in our lives. God can touch anybody to help you. It is us that boxes God in our, in our spirit sometimes. Don't box God. God is bigger than your circumstance. God is greater than your circumstance. God can do anything he wants to do. All he's looking for is somebody to believe. That's all he's looking for. And so I woke up and the guy, my right-hand guy says, you're not going to believe this. I said, well, try me. He said, a Korean showed up. You don't know him. He said that. He said, you don't know him. He said, but he handed me $10,000. That was exactly what we needed to finish the bathrooms. So they didn't have to pee outside no more. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got all those kinds of stories. You never know what will come out of me. But anyhow, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Chapter 3. Chapter 4. Hallelujah. Just recently, as in the last couple of months, because when God starts talking to me, it takes him about that long to get things clear to me. <laughs> it's not his fault. It's mine. Trust me. But uh, God began to speak to me about the next great move of God that will be upon the earth and released upon the earth. We're right there. God's getting ready to do some things that are really, really big. I mean really big. And uh, I hope you'll begin to see it with me. Um, it will be a move of God that, like uh, we've never seen before. And we have to be very careful as we begin to perceive this move to begin to be released, not to criticize it. Because the, criti the move is not going to be of what we're used to. I remember, I'm old enough in the, in, the, in the faith to remember when the charismatic move was criticized harshly. And, uh, and then various mini moves within the charismatic move were criticized harshly. But ended up, most of those moves were God. Now, there's always a little bit of mysticism and a little bit of goofiness in every move. We all understand that. I remember when the teaching movement, which great man of God, in my opinion, with Dr. Kenneth Hagin, was criticized 
for just preaching faith. Preached faith for 50 years and uh, said that's what God told him to preach. And evidently, we didn't get it in 50 years because he kept preaching it for 50 years. Because if we'd have got it, he'd have quit preaching it. And uh, so, uh, I mean, I remember when he was criticized, and that was what we call the teaching movement or the word movement because that was really in the 70s, really the first time we realized as, as a church collectively that you could actually read the word, apply the word in your life, and walk in the blessing of the Lord. That was really the first time. It, before then, nobody knew that stuff, really knew it. Um, there were some people that knew it, but not, not like a body of Christ. Then I remember the criticism of the prophetic move in the early 80s, and there were some weirdos out there, but the prophetic move came in, and, uh, um, and, and really the, the revelation of what the prophetic was was established. And I remember also the apostolic move, which was the 90s, and... Uh, course then the changeover into the millennium which really i believe is the kingdom move and uh, we're in a kingdom movement right now kingdom movement is very important because it's through the kingdom god manifests his glory praise god understanding the kingdom and so god's been talking to me quite a bit about this next move of god and i believe it may be well pastor john and i spoke about a little not about this particular thing but we talked about the the third awakening for the united states and i believe in this move that the united states will have a third awakening and uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but we're desperate for an awakening in the United States. This puppy's going downhill about as fast as I ever imagined. Uh, I used to think when I was a young minister 30 years ago, how could the Antichrist ever take place or take position with such a powerful Christian nation? Well, God's answered that now. You know, uh, unfortunately, we're not in the same position we were 30 years ago spiritually as a nation. And when you have a president stand up and say, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of them thought it, they just never said it, that we're not a Christian nation, we're a nation of many religions. And uh, my heart was broken when I heard that. And uh, I pray for him daily, I'm not criticizing him, I think we have to pray for him daily, because the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, if you're not praying for him, that the devil will turn his heart, rather than the righteousness. And so I, I pray for him extensively, because he does have the future now, whether or not... Uh, whether or not God will use our, I mean, I can't say that, God will use our prayers, this might be a bump in the road that God wants to use to, to, to cause us to take note and to look. God uses some crazy things. I mean, God used Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon to catch the attention of the world for the move of God and things of God. I mean, uh, Nebuchadnezzar at several different points declared God to be the, the God because of different things that happened. And so uh, we're going to have to be careful in this next move of God not to be critical and to just keep an open spirit, uh, it, it probably will come under persecution. Most moves do. But Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming for a glorious church. He's not coming for a broken church. You see, we, we are winning. Some people don't understand it, but the church is winning. I mean, statistically, things are happening all over the world in great, great numbers. I was just reading and spoke with Pastor John today about there's like 100,000 Muslims coming to the Lord uh, in the 1020 window uh, every year, annually. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so that's no small thing. It's not huge, but it's no small thing when you're thinking 10,000 Muslims are coming to the Lord a month in the 1020 window. Of course, that's like nine nations. But still, that's huge. And uh, uh, God's moving all over the world. And, uh, and so uh, we're winning. And we win this war. We win this. This is ours. We win. And so you can't be allow, allow what you see 
in the natural to cloud what God wants you to see in the spirit. And so uh, Jesus is coming, and he's coming for a glorious church. And in that, uh, in that glorious church, there's going to be great power, and there's going to be great, great, a great presence of God, a great manifestation of God. And um, sometimes we'll have the, we'll have the gatekeepers and the, and, the, and, the, and the leadership to kind of keep it even keeled. But, and there's going to be some craziness to it. But at the same time, we're going to see miracles like we've never seen them before. Um, there's going to be a tremendous amount of power of God released for those that are pursuing. And, and I'm going to read you the scriptures that God began to speak to me and, and begin to download this to me. And in, in, a, in a book of Revelation chapter 3, it says in verse 7, And the angel of the church in Philadelphia wrote, in Philadelphia wrote, These things says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, I know your works, and I see you set before you, and I have set before you an open door. Someone say open door. And no one can shut it. God is opening the door for the next move of, of God in the earth. I doesn't mean it's, it's released yet, but he's opened the door. And, it, and then no one can shut it. Ain't nobody going to shut this one. I mean, it'll come up after, it'll be great, great attack against it, especially from the secular world. But no one's going to shut this door. And, and he says, for you have kept, you have, for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. In, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. There's an open door. Someone say open door. The door is open. Now, you have to understand, I'm not real mystical and I'm not real prophetic and I don't have a lot of visions, and I don't get a lot of dreams, but I shut my eyes after reading those two passages and began to pray God and ask him and seek him and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I saw in my spirit, I, I guess it was in my spirit, I don't think it was an open vision because my eyes were closed, but I saw the door. I literally saw, and it's not a small door, it was a huge door. It was like this arch here, but higher, that big and higher, and it was like at the back wall from me, and I could see this great light in the door, and I could see the mist and the cloud of God's glory all in the door. And what God was saying, he says, you need to come up here. You have to come up here, and I'll show you the things which must take place for this great awakening, this great revival, this great move of God to manifest. But you have to come up here. And the point God was saying, in this next move of God, I'm not coming down there. You're going to have to come up here. You see, God really, I mean, he will, because he loves us so much, come down to meet us. But really, we're supposed to go up to him. And you go up to him by the Spirit. You go up to him through the power of prayer. You go up to him uh, um, as you minister to him with prayer and worship. And uh, that's how you go up to God. He says, you have to come up here, and then I'm going to show you things to come. And uh, so the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to my heart, and he said, I'm opening a door for you. And he said it to me, and he says, but not just for you, it's for, the, it's for the body of Christ. He said, I'm opening a door, and I'm here to tell you we have an open door. And so, and he, and he says, now I want you to declare that open door everywhere you go. Now, my, my church starting to get it because get it, I've been on this for about a month. And uh, we may be on it for a little bit longer, so I'm going to try to revise my message to get done in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there's an open door, and many of you have been in the battle I don't know about you, but I've been in some serious battles. But here's the good news. There's an open door. 
Hallelujah. And uh, many have been, maybe some of you have been sick, but I got good news for you. There's an open door. Many, many of you have been maybe struggling financially, but I've got good news for you. There is an open door. And many of you may need jobs. I know down in Florida where I'm from, I mean, that was one of the ground zeros of this recession. And, uh, but I got good news for you. There's an open door. Hallelujah. And so God, and God says, spoke to me and said, I'm going to open this door and I'm going to keep this door open. Praise God. And uh, he began to reveal to me the things that need to be, take place in our lives for us to come up there to see what must take place. Um, and part of that was found in, in uh, verse 7 and 8 in, in chapter 3. He said, uh, um, he said, number one, you did, you did, you're doing the works. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me find it here. He said, uh, he was holding it. Yeah, verse 8, I know your works. You see, to, to have that open door remain open, you've got to do the works of God. You've got to be doing the works of God. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 14, if you believe in me. Now, how many of us believe in Jesus? Hallelujah. I just made my church real jealous. And we just had a day of prayer and fasting. All of this intertwined with this message. Uh, you know, you have Veterans Day on Monday, and some of you all be hunting and stuff. But when we have Veterans Day or a holiday, we call a day of prayer and fasting, and 5,000 people showed up and prayed and fasted with us for eight hours. And they didn't move until someone said, we're finished now. 5,000 people came and prayed and fasted with us, and we worshiped, had a full-blown worship team, and worshiped and took communion. We did a lot of things in that eight hours. Uh, prayed for the sick and prayed for families and prayed for a lot of things. And... Uh, and uh, and somebody said, boy, those, the Haitians are really sensitive to God. And really what they are is they're very sensitive to the, they're very desperate for God. Now, you have to understand, we just got done counseling some young adults that lost their parents in the, in the quake. And since the quake, that's three and a half years ago, they've been allowed to sleep on somebody's roof. See, we don't understand these things in this nation that you might would have to sleep on someone's roof and wonder where you're going to eat the next day. It's the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, sometimes I feed all my staff because I know sometimes that may be the only meal they get that day. So all my staff that works for me gets a meal, and I realize, too, that that may be the only meal they get. And these are things that we're not accustomed to in our great nation, where other nations are more are accustomed to these type of things. And so we've got to do the works of Jesus to keep that open door. And uh, they'll come and work with you. They'll pray in fact. But I was going to tell you, we, we just made a lot of people jealous. And by the way, Pastor John, I'm not going to be able to meet your timeline, it looks like. But uh, is everybody all right with that? Hallelujah. Go Alabama. <laughs> and uh, so there's Alabama, man. I mean, I was, we were was, we was talking earlier. Um, 5,000 people came to pray, and so I made my church jealous. I called up all the ministries to pray for them. I mean, we got, like you, we got a ton of ministries. You got a whole literature book. I'm going to try to figure out how to do that in Haiti. But uh, it's all the people that work in the ministries from all the outreaches and all the different things. And, of course, about half the building came forward. The other half building sitting there, and I said, now, why are you all still sitting there? You need to be in one of these ministries because Jesus said we got to do the works of the Lord. We've got to do the works, and that's what opens that door. It's because you're doing the works. And I mean, we're talking about 2,000 people at the altar getting prayed over, uh, and then 3,000 people still sitting there. Of course, when we have Easter and Christmas, 
We go to about 10,000 on Sunday, and I always ask them, where you been? I call them the C&E Christians. You know that, right? Yeah, Christmas and Easter boys. But uh, I always ask them, where you been? I ask them. I mean, right there on the middle of Easter, we're supposed to be doing Resurrection Sunday. I said, where y'all been? And, uh, but, you know, I'm kind of different. But anyhow, God said, you got to do the works. Because you did the works, there is an open door. Because you do the works, there is an open door. I mean, everybody here sitting here, you need to be serving somewhere. Serving God doesn't mean come to church. That's just the little stuff. You've got to serve God somewhere. You've got to sacrifice something. I mean, you can't, God not looking for a Sunday or Saturday night date. He's looking for a marriage. The old, I go to church and try to keep myself clean, be traditional and be nice. Christianity is far from, very far from the open door. It's going to be, open door is going to be for those that are sold out to God. Where Jesus is the priority of their life. I mean the priority of their life. And everything comes secondary to that. that. People that prioritize Christ. Now I realize you've got a schedule. I understand all that. Don't worry about that part. But is Jesus number one in your heart, number one in your life. uh, So you've got to do the works. He said, if you believe in me and the works that I do, you shall do. And even greater works you shall do. Um, The greater works is just the fact that the sheer number is going out doing the works of Jesus. I think. I I like the, the... passage in the book of Luke chapter 14 it said certain man gave a great supper and he went and sent out all these invitations and a bunch of people wouldn't come because they was they had other things to do kind of sounds like America doesn't it hello I didn't come just for an offering (laughs) got to talk what God wants to talk they had other things to do so they didn't come to the marriage supper and and so finally the, the master said well go out and get the Get the people off the street. Go out and get the lame. Go out and get the blind. Go out and get the drug addicts. Go out and get the hookers. Go out there and get whoever you can find. Get them, tell them, come on for the marriage supper. And uh, so that's part of the works of Jesus. And we can't just sit on our sweet by and by and wait for Jesus to come and think we're going to walk through the upper door. The open door. The upper open door. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you all still with me out there? I'm here. A lot of shouting me down. Shout me down just because I'm preaching good now. Hallelujah. And so you've got to do the works of Jesus. You should be a light unto everywhere you are. You should be talking about Jesus everywhere you go. Uh, he does, man. He's passing out cards everywhere he goes. Uh, there's nobody we're going to come in contact. not getting a card and tell them to come to church. And, I mean, you've got to be doing it. You gotta be, when someone says, I've got a headache, put your hands on them and pray for them. Don't, don't tell them you're going to pray for them. Put your hands on their head. Pray for them. Watch God do a miracle by, with you. And so uh, you've got you've to do the works. I always look for that one. Somebody says, I'm not feeling good. Well, let me pray for you. Praise God. And so anyhow, God wants us to do the works to keep that open door. Number two, he says, you've kept my word. You've got to keep the word of God. Somebody say amen. James says you've got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. A doer of the word. You've got to practice, apply the word. Not just at percentage levels. You've got to do what God says all the time. Uh, and... Uh, you don't have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice to obey or disobey, but it's not really a choice to me. If he says to do something, you've got to do it. Now, that's why John supports me very good in, in Haiti, because he knows if he don't help me out, God take me off the field might want to send him. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then what are you going to say when he says go to Haiti? No. Some of you sitting there might would. We're going to say no. Hello. I mean, see, that's not, I'm just te- I'm teasing a little bit, but I'm telling the truth. See, when God tells you to do something, you don't get a, you don't get a maybe or a, let me think about it. You've got to do what God says to do. 
Well, God would never tell me to do that. Well, better keep that offering bucket coming. Praise God. He might. Hallelujah. Huh? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So you've got you've to be a doer of the word. Number three, you've got to keep his name. You cannot deny him. Apostle Paul said this. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You can't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And you know, there's a lot of persecution that comes from the secular world. And sometimes Christians want to hunker down and just act nice and not really show out because of the persecution. But you can't be shamed of the gospel because when you're not ashamed of the gospel, there's a power in the gospel that's released through you. Rather, you're talking it or not. The, the gospel is just the word alive in you, praise God. And so when you're not ashamed of it, there's, a, there's, there's something that's released through you, an anointing, a presence of God that touches people. I can walk in the room and sometimes they don't even know I'm a preacher and things change. I've seen it too many times just from the anointing and presence of God in my life. Sometimes they know I'm a preacher, and then they start talking, oh, the preachers come and change. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but sometimes they don't know anything, you know. And so you can't, de- and you can't deny his name. You have to keep his name. Say, keep his name. And, and, and sometimes sin is a form of denying Christ. And so you have to examine your heart all the time. And I'm, I'm sure, and, and I pray, and I'm sure. I'll just say I pray, and I'm sure there's no one sitting here in very dark sin. But you know what I found out? He really messes with the little stuff when you start letting him. Holy cannoli, he's doing some works in me. I'm not even the same person I once was. And he's still messing with me. But when he messes with you and you don't obey, that's sin. And he's trying to change a whole personality. And I'm going, God, it's my personality. He said, I don't care. Change it. And dang, God, how you do that? <laughs> I've been like this for 30 years. And he said, I know, and I haven't been happy with you that long either. <laughs> and so you got to get on your knees and say, do it, God. I, you don't know how many times lately in the last six, seven months I've laid prostate on the ground and just said, God, whatever you want to do, do it. Kill me. That's what he wants to do. He wants to kill you. Not physically. He wants to kill you spiritually. He wants to kill you so that he can live through you. And I said, go ahead, God. Kill me. See, that's part of the open door. But what's in that open door? In that open door is the glory and the power of God. What's in that open door is the anointing and the, and the power of God. See, we all talk about it, but I don't think we really... The Bible says in the book of Haggai, the latter church would be greater than the f- former church, that the glory of the Lord would be stronger in the latter church. But I'm not quite sure. We're walking where the apostles walked. My shadow hasn't healed anybody. Now, I have laid hands on people and by his grace seen people healed, but my shadow lately hadn't healed anybody. I have not raised anybody from the dead, and I did try two or three times. But I haven't. At least I tried, I guess. That's all I can say. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I don't think we're there yet, but God says there's an open door. Someone say open door. And in that open door is the glory of the Lord that gives you the ability to walk in the supernatural. In that open door is the power and the anointing of God that gives you to walk like the apostles walked, like the disciples walked. I remember a passage in the book of Acts. Peter went to some nice lady's house, and there was some person there, that was, a guy there that was paralyzed, and he just said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be healed. And the guy got up, and then it says that after that, the whole city got saved. 
They saw him walking around. The whole city got saved. How about that? You get somebody reputable saved in Texarkana, next thing you know, you're having to have satellite churches everywhere because you don't have enough room anywhere because the whole city's getting saved. This is the kind of move God's going to have in the last days. We're not going to just hunker in and pray, God, we can withstand 666 not getting put on our hand. We're not, that's not the way it's going to be. It's going to be a powerful, glorious church where people are walking in his presence and his anointing, laying hands on sick people and people getting up. We actually had a hospital write me a letter, said, please don't send your hospital ministry anymore. Too many people are leaving. And the problem was, I think, they're losing money. You go in our hospital ministry, we don't go in to console you and tell you it's all going to be okay. They go in there believing God, they're going to lay hands on you and signs and wonders and miracles are going to manifest. That's what hospital ministry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Not just, oh, it's going to be all right, brother. I'm praying for you. No, they get in there and start shouting. I remember one, one of my pastors, he was praying for a paralyzed guy in prison. He, now, this is the difference, too. We want them to get prayed, and we want them to come through with a little touch and a tap and a fall. He prayed for this man for two hours straight. Two hours straight, and then finally he said, I say in Jesus' name, rise and walk. He didn't get up. You know what he did? He grabbed him by his shirt, and he said, I said in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And he lifted him up, and the man started walking. Two hours, though, he prayed for him. Two hours. He didn't move from his presence for two hours. There's people sitting in here, you hadn't prayed two hours at one time in your life. It's, that's, what, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an army of the Lord tr- tr- marching through the land. That's what we're talking about. That's what the open door's about. Not just kind of sit and be comfortable and have the preacher tell me how everything's going to be all right. And he's a good man. He loves me. I know he loves me. And he's strong. And he's got a good church and family church. And we're very comfortable here. I don't think we want to go anywhere else. That's not what God's talking about. God's talking about the army in the book of Joel where they marched shoulder to shoulder. Did not break ranks. Talking about a troop that could mount a wall. Leap over the roofs of houses. Talking about an army that moves on the voice of God. And there's this open door. Someone say open door. And in that open door is everything we need, praise God. In that open door is the supernatural. It's in that open door. That's where you get the earthquakes. Remember the words, the stories about earthquakes? Where a whole prison gets shaken? At midnight, but at midnight, it actually says in that passage, but at midnight. You see, some of you are sitting here, and we've all been there, that you're at that midnight hour where it's the darkest the devil is attacking you. Things are not going well. You're at that midnight hour. And there at that, but that open door is still there at that midnight hour. Matter of fact, it's brighter and more glorious then than any other time. And at that midnight hour, it says, but at midnight, they began to worship and they began to praise and they began to lift their voices to God. You see, at the midnight hour, it's not the time to complain. It's the midnight hour that you lift your heart and lift your voices to God. It's at that midnight hour, you begin to praise the Lord. It's at that midnight hour, you begin to cry out to God. It's at that midnight hour. And then when you begin to worship Him and when you begin to praise Him, He'll shake the earth and He'll open the doors. The chains will be broken, praise God. This is where God's taken the church in this hour. He wants us to lose our dignity. I mean, I realize we're in, we're in very traditional heartland area, very dignified area. I mean, it's one of your attributes, but at the same time, God's saying, lose it. 
Go ahead and die to it. You got a great gatekeeper. You got a great pastor here. You got great leaders in this church. They're not going to let it get too squirrely. They'll be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. But God's saying, come on. Come on through that open door. Come on. Come on through the open door. Hallelujah. And as I was saying, Haiti, God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Are you ready for the open door? I don't know how to end it. I got like four weeks of, of notes here. It's like goes on. That's what's neat about those electronic devices. They just keep going and going and going. I'm almost ready to go part two. You ready for part two? Part two is Jeremiah that you quoted in your prayer. That's what blew me away. And I don't know if you remember John's prayer for the service. He prayed for the open door. He didn't know my message. Then he prayed out of Jeremiah about the potter and the, and, and the, and the clay. That's in part two. I said, well, I guess I'm right on track here. See, that's another thing God does for the open door. He molds us and shapes us. But when there's a blemish, sometimes he crushes us and then remolds us and shapes us. That crushing part, I'm really, I, I almost got a doctorate in that now. And so I'm really pretty smart in this area. And, uh, but it's not any fun, the crushing part. Um, but but it, it, it's a crush that you know is right, but it's not fun. And uh, so that's, that's another part of moving through the open door. I could go forever here talking about this open door, but the upside is there's an open door, and that's where the glory and that's where the power is, and you have to come up here. You have to come up here that he could show you the things that must happen. Are you all with it? Now lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Father, I pray for this great church, this great people that are here tonight. God, help us to understand the open door that's available for us. Help us to understand the door that we can traverse through. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would stir in the hearts of each and every person sitting here today the desire, the thirst, the hunger to take, to, to rise up and go through this open door. Lord, we're so hungry for a move of God in our nation. We're so hungry for a move of God right here in Texarkana. We're so hungry for a move of God, Lord. We need your your presence. We need your, the manifestation of your glory to be made manifest in our midst. Father, we pray that we would touch the people that are outside these walls that do not yet know you, Lord, that they would be stricken in the heart, that they would rend their clothes, and instead of rending their garment, they would tear their hearts before you, Lord, and cry out for your, your salvation and your grace. Lord, we want to see us. We, we pray for the harvest of souls, God. We pray for the harvest of our families that are not yet saved. We pray, Lord, for your presence in our lives and your blessing in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you bless each and every person that's here tonight. Lord, stir them, Lord. Stir them up that they'd rise up to that open door and walk through it with us, Lord. And I pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Well, praise God. I'm going to warm that up a little more for tomorrow and y'all can come back and hear it twice if you want. <laughs> stay up here. Tell me stay up here. Okay, I'll praise the Lord. the Lord here in this place you know hopefully we have a good message when you come on Saturdays or Sundays and you hear something we'll be back with the Duck Dynasty guys next week but I, I hear the Holy Spirit in a very different way tonight you know not just in what he said but the life that he's lived you know you can kind of tell uh, Jay, Jay and his wife are just some kind of just 
down-to-earth, you know, people. When you were saved, you were just what? Just like a hippie on the street? Is that, is that right? I was a classy hippie. He was a classy hippie on the street. Uh-huh. But, uh, but God took a guy that was off the street and took him to one of the most difficult places on the planet to dig out a work that has literally changed thousands of people and is changing the face of a nation. And, 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 and I say that because God has something for all of us to do with our life that matters. You know, I had an opportunity this week. You know, when you pass out and you're waking up, you're thinking, well, what if I didn't wake up on earth this time? What if I open my eyes and I'm in the presence of the Lord? Because you've got one life to live for Christ. And one day we're going to stand before God and He's going to say, what did you do with the life that I gave you? And my hope and my prayer, if I had to do anything different in my life, I mean, I'd probably pray some more and be a little more intense, but I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm living a dream. I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what God has called me to do with my life. He's doing that too. But I wonder if you're here this evening and maybe you're not there. You love God. And when he talked this, the first thing that he said in Isaiah, but, and God called Isaiah, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And he said, here am I, send me. And maybe you're at a time of your life where you're not sure what your destiny is. You're not sure exactly what God has called you to do. This is particularly true for younger people that are here that are in the, it, fashioning this impressionable time of your life. As we close the service, I'm going to give him an opportunity if you just want him to lay hands on you and just pray for you, just as your way of responding to the Lord. Lord, I want you to do something with my life. I'm offering myself to you for you to take with me and do whatever you want to me with me. Send me wherever you want to send me. Take my life and use it to make a difference. Because I'm telling you, friends, if you're not following God's plan for your life, you'll wake up and it'll be 10 years later, and wake up and it'll be 10 years later, and wake up and your hair's gall and you're your daddy. And before you know it, your life is over. So that's how we're going to close the service. I just want people that are just want to present themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I want my life to make a difference in this world. I want you to place me where you want me to be. I want you to do what you've called me to do. In just a minute, I'll give him a chance to just lay his hands on you and pray for you before we dismiss. As we prepare to go tonight as well, though, before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to sow into our sister church in Haiti. This is not a personal for Jay. We'll do something from our outreach fund for him personally. But, but if you want to invest in the nation of Haiti, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. Tell us about your financial needs and what's going on in your church. Well, praise the Lord. We're going, to go, we're going to start phase three or finish phase two eventually here. We have had some attacks for the first time in the 25 years, 26 years we've been there. The Haitian government decided to tax nonprofits. And they came and audited us and... We had to come up with quite a bit of money, and uh, so we're, we're a little budget poor right now and, and strained. Um, that's going to bring a, an additional curse on their land, I, in my philosophy and my thought pattern. But uh, these are just different things. Uh, we're still feeding kids as hard and fast as we can. Um, we're still, you know, our budget is God always provides, but there's never, it seems to be enough, but God always provides. And so, you know, he was telling me today, uh, they may have six or 7,000 people in the service, but those folks, that many people in the poorest nation of the Western Hemisphere only give $4,000 a week. That's on a good day. Uh, on a good week. And you uh-huh. look in our bulletin, we're eight times that. 
sometimes, seven or eight times that. So, so if you want to sow a missions gift tonight, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Uh, we'll give 100% of it, and they can use it as a, to further the gospel there in Haiti. I'll just leave my Bible on the stage, or the ushers will be in the back, and if you want to invest in Haiti, I hope you'll do that. I hope if you'll give as significantly as you can, because this is fertile ground. These are lives that are being touched for the Lord. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet right now, and uh, I want them to sing one last song. And let's just worship the Lord together. And you that want personal prayer, you want to present yourself to the Lord and just let Him lay hands on you. I just want you to just come to the altar as we begin to sing. And after we've sung it through one last time, everybody else is free to go. I'll see you in the cafe.